Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to read two verses as our primary text this morning. Beginning in verse 16. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes under the unction and anointing and leading power of the Holy Ghost. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you and I praise you for your word. God, for the power of you and of your word, the power of salvation, the power of your righteousness, the power, oh Lord, of the resurrection. And so, God, we come this morning and we just declare, Lord, let your power be alive and well and moving in, in each and every one of us, God. We just adore you today. We magnify you. Lord, we stir up the gifts of the Spirit within us, God, as we surrender and give you this time Lord, as you speak to us in a powerful way, in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This past Christmas, I got to go, or we as a family, we got to go up to the mountains, and uh, we had been watching the forecast, and the forecast uh, for... Uh, Smoky Mountains was snow, and we thought, oh, wow, we're going to get a white Christmas, and we were just excited and all that kind of good stuff, and then the reality of what that really means um, when you're up on a mountaintop, and so Christmas Eve uh, began to snow uh, that afternoon, and by that evening, uh, there were several inches already on the ground, and it was coming down fast and furious, and before we knew it, the lights started flickering. And um, Christmas Eve, the power goes out. And when you're on the mountain, that means that there's no pump that can pump water up the mountain to you. So um, we uh, were without power and without water. And you never realize how important and valuable things like electricity are until it's not there, right? We take it for granted in our modern society. You know, our, usually our bigger issue in, in our America today is how many outlets do I have in my room as opposed to is there power to those outlets usually. And so for Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, for about 24 hours, we had no power. Um, Christmas Day was, it was everything that we thought it would be in terms of being beautiful. And uh, it was, I don't know if it, I can't remember now exactly what the snow total was, but it was just, uh, roads were closed. Um, which made even the power restoring even that much more difficult. But for about 24 hours, no power. And when the temperature is like in the single digits and, and, you know, we were thankful that we had firewood and a fireplace and we were burning every bit of wrapping paper, every Christmas box. Uh, we were burning anything, paper plates. We burned anything and everything just to try to keep that fire going and stay warm. And it's in that moment, uh, you know, when power comes on, that was ended up being the best Christmas present we ever got. Power. 
We take it for granted when it comes to the electricity side of it. But what about God and his power? You see, the reality is, is while I joke about that being the electricity coming back on, being the best Christmas present that we got, uh, the reality is, is that the, the best gift that any of us have ever received, of course, is salvation. And we read here in Romans chapter 1 that he says, For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is that power and the power of God and the supernatural power of God that we reflect on and we think about. When we think about power and we think about God's uh, all of that comes within it, we really think about uh, his supernatural overarching power. I mean, yes, we recognize and we know that God has the power to create. He has the power to strike down. He has the power to give life. He has the power to conquer and to be victorious and, and defeat Satan. And we recognize his power to save. And one of the words that we describe with power, when it comes to power is this idea that God is omnipotent. That word, that means that literally when you break it down, it, it means that he's all-powerful or the definition specifically, having unlimited power, able to do anything. One of the secondary definitions when it comes to omnipotent in God is uh, having unlimited authority and influence. And I think about that and I think about God's power and and while we celebrate, especially within a Pentecostal church, we really talk about and many times we think about the power of God in a service. And we think about that experience and those encounters with his spirit. And those are very real and very true and things that and experiences that we need to uh, pursue and go after. But I want us to make sure that we do not limit God's power to just that kind of a quote-unquote, Pentecostal worship service experience. That the power of God goes well beyond any of those kinds of things. When we talk about God's power, uh, meaning or omnipotence, meaning that he, is un, uh, he has uh, unlimited authority or influence, we make it personal for just a moment and ask about how that impacts us. Does God have unlimited authority and influence in our life? Does he have unlimited power when it comes to our everyday walk? For so many of us, I think that one of the things that, as the conversations that I have been having, I have heard from so many different individuals about the idea of just a feeling uh, in our spirits, feeling defeated or feeling discouraged or feeling down and, and feeling depressed or we feel like, uh, you know, we just have this gloom, uh, this cloud. Uh, one person even described it as having this cloud, this dark cloud that seems to hang over their head and, and following them wherever it goes. And I, I want to encourage us this morning that and when we are in those kinds of moments, that that does not define how God wants us to live and be in our spiritual journey. While that may be the reality of where we, some of us, find ourselves even this morning... I want to encourage you this morning to not plan on leaving the same way that you came in. I want us to plan on and be intentional about saying, God, I need you to, and your power to move upon me personally, individually, and not just to be uh, creator power, not just be, uh, you know, savior of the whole world power, but God, I want you and your power to be personal in what I'm facing and dealing with this morning. So when we think about that, 
I want to talk for just a few moments this morning about out of Romans chapter 1. Uh, that there are three things that we need to make sure that we are having in our life and that God desires for us to live with every single day. He desires for our Christian walk, our daily living, to be filled with power. He wants our lives to be power-filled lives. God's power, the sort of power that uh, dwells within every single one of us. It allows us to be, experience this supernatural element that we cannot put into a bottle. We cannot necessarily tangibly touch, but his power is just as real as you or I sitting here in this room today. The power of God is, uh, is that very life essence, the very essence and definition of who God is. His supernatural uh, uh, definition and being and, and how it emanates from God. Uh, you know, have you ever been around and you've seen uh, such a, 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 a power, something power flow through that it begins to glow? Just think about uh, the incandescent light bulb for just a moment. Do you realize that the reason and the way uh, that it glows and puts off light is because as energy goes through the filament of that light bulb, it energizes it and it has this vibration element and as it does, it begins to glow. And we have light. I have this mental image that God desires for you and I to be able to glow with his power and it has to be, that, but that in order for that to happen it means that we've got to be open, willing, and ready to receive the fullness of everything that God has for us. We cannot just say, okay, God, uh, give me just a, a little bit of your power. Give me just a, a, a touch of your power. I, want, I don't want to just be saying, God, give me enough power to get through Monday morning. God, I want enough power to, to energize me for the rest of my life each and every day. I want enough power to be able to overcome and to stop the enemy when he comes at me with those fiery darts. God, I want enough power to be able to be not just sustained and survive, but God, I want to thrive in you and in your spirit and in your power. And, and that needs to be our heartbeat every single day. You see, God does not call on us to speculate or guess or just wonder about his power and the power that he wants to fill us with. He wants us to really uh, go beyond just thinking about it and, and, and of an idea that we can amen or say yes to. He wants us to live it and to experience. He wants us to be so uh, desperate and such uh, desiring to that power and to him that we are crying out to him each and every day. When was the last time in our prayer closet that we were crying out to him, God, fill me with your power. Oh, fill me oh, with all that you have for me. Because let me challenge us. That needs to be a daily part of our prayer life. It needs to be a part of how we are regularly talking to God. God, I need you and your power to fill me every single place and every single way of my life. Philippians chapter 3 says it this way. He says, I want to, Paul says, I want to know Christ. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Share. Whoa, 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 wait a second, Pastor. I was with you until that last phrase. We, we rejoice with the first part. I want to know Christ. 
I want to experience his mighty power. I want to experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We're all right there, right? But the verse doesn't end there. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Understand here that what Paul is talking about is, is this reinforcement of what we see elsewhere in Scripture, that to live is Christ and to die is gain, that our flesh must be crucified daily. We must crucify our those fleshly desires and say the old man has passed, I am a new creature in Christ, and that is why I want to experience this sharing in the suffering and death of Christ. Oh, because with the suffering and the death of Christ, guess what also comes? It comes the resurrection. You see, we can't look at Philippians 3.10 and say, I want the resurrection and the power that raised Jesus from the dead unless we have first experienced the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. And so we realize here that even when we are facing a dark week, even when we are facing difficult circumstances, even when, oh, we come in defeated and discouraged and down and out, oh, it is not the time to throw our hands up and to give up in despair. Oh, but it is time to throw our hands up and worship. It is time to throw up our hands and surrender. It is time to be able to say, God, oh, if I'm experiencing this, oh, then God, let me also experience you and your mighty power, that the same power that raised you from the dead, this same power that turns morning on Friday into dancing on Sunday. Oh, let me experience that same kind of transformation power in my daily life. And that needs to be our prayer. See, in this passage, oh, I didn't even finish reading my verse. I got too excited on verse 10. Verse 11. Amen. So that one way or the other, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And therein lies the key of what we, where we find ourselves. And in all of this, Paul, Paul's not just writing about this theoretical idea about what power and salvation really is. But he's, he's really, he's not going to God and saying, well, I have no idea how you pulled it off. He's not saying, I have no idea how you raised from the dead. I have no idea. And he's not looking for this apologetic argument to be able to defend to unbelievers about how, why Jesus rose from the dead. That is not what Paul is going after here. What Paul is after, he's not looking for theoretical head knowledge or answers. But, right, and I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in apologetics. They have their place. But that is not what Paul is doing here. He's saying, I want to go beyond. I'm not looking for answers. I'm looking for an experience. I'm looking for a power-filled experience. I want the supernatural, divine power of the Holy Spirit to surround me, to cover me, and to fill every area of my life. Part of the problem that we as believers find ourselves in is we have a tendency to give up really quick. We, we throw the towel in. We get, we get frustrated. We think all we can see is what's around us right then and there. And we have this little, we may be adults, 
but we spiritually speaking, we have this plop in the floor, pitching a temper, spiritual temper tantrum with God. It's not fair, God. It's not fair. God can handle us having that kind of conversation with him, but he doesn't want us living in the temper tantrum moment of the floor, beating our hands and fists on the ground saying, God, woe is me. Why are you doing this? Why am I going through this? This isn't fair. That is not where, well, God can handle that conversation. That is not his desire for us to live there. His desire is for us to say, you're right. God, I, I can't do this. God, I, I can't survive this way. And so because of that, God, I need that experience. Philippians 3 and Romans 1 and elsewhere that we're going to look this morning. I need that power to be able to lead me. And, and when we get saved, there is a power that comes into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want to challenge us that God does not desire for us just to experience a power-filled salvation experience. Oh, but he wants us to have the fullness of that power through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be able to experience a, a full and complete indwelling empowerment of the Holy Ghost upon our life. And if we will come to that point of just saying, God, I'm surrendering. I want you and I want everything that you have. And I want all of the spirit that you have for me. See, then the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is that same very power that is going to abide and dwell and live in us. And get us up off the ground when we're having that temper tantrum. Get us up off of that ground when the enemy has knocked us down. Get us up off of the ground when we have stumbled and fallen through our own mistakes. It is that same power of the Holy Spirit oh, that it, uh, compels us and leads us and empowers us to do that even when we can't. Ephesians chapter 1 describes this power that God wants us to have this way. In Ephesians 1, verses 19 and 20, he says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. For this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Notice here, go back to verse 19. Notice here that this is not just power. It's not even just described as God's power. But here it is, is this greatness. The incredible greatness of God's power. This immeasurable greatness. We could even, if we were going to look at this, we could say, I also pray that you, we will understand God's power. He goes that step further. I, will pr I pray that you will understand the greatness of God's power. And even there, there's this extra description. The incredible, or some translations, the immeasurable greatness of God's power. That night, we were in the cabin and the, before the power went out. You remember what I said kind of gave us the clue of what may be to come. The lights began to flicker. Kind of got dim at a couple points, you know. And the reason was because the power was diminishing. It was being impacted by the storm. Too many of us as believers, 
storms of life are trying to diminish the power of God that flows and operates in our lives. But God declares and wants us to be reminded this morning that the power that God wants us to have is destined to be immeasurable and destined to be great. And it doesn't matter what storm, when we experience that, it doesn't matter what storm may come, nothing is able to dampen or hinder that power of God flowing in our lives. But we can't wait. We can't wait until the storm starts raging to then decide, oh, I need God's power. <laughs> we've got to prepare. We've, we've got to make those preparations. And it doesn't mean that we've got, you know, what happens when a hurricane's going to come or a storm? Don't go to Dill's grocery store. Don't go to any grocery store because all the milk, bread, everything's going to be gone. Don't go to Home Depot because all the power generators are going to be gone. All the plywood will still be there because it's so expensive. No one will buy it. <laughs> but you know how it is. There's that mad rush. We've got to prepare. And, there's the, and the, what you need isn't there. And I'm thankful that God is immeasurable. His greatness and power is beyond. You know, it doesn't run out, but, but God wants us to be so filled and so filled up with that power that even when the storm comes, we're not having to scramble to be able to try to fill it and, and be able to, to come to that point. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that God, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. See, here is the understanding that we come into this moment in this place where we realize that God in his unlimited power, his glorious and his, and his power is able to fill and move. And, and it's here. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what we hear in the doctor's office. It doesn't matter what happens at work. It doesn't matter what happens at home. It doesn't matter what happens when we're driving down the road. We get so frustrated. We've been so spoiled in terms of everyday life and comforts and so forth. Oh, that we get so discouraged so easily. But God says, my power is unlimited. It is an unlimited power that I'm going to give you so that there is this inner strength. And when the waves may try to toss you to and fro, and when, as the scripture says, the sun comes out and, and it causes some to wither and die because they have no roots, but we are able to stand tall as Ephesians 3.16 and says, it is not because of me, but there is an inner strength within me that is Truly and fully and only from the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, it's that power. It is that glory. It is that move of God upon our lives that all of a sudden that takes. He takes the drug addicts and turns them into pastors and preachers. It is that power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that is able to take. And we see it in scripture. We see it. Oh, that can take uh, someone like Paul, who was a Christian killer, and turn him into the greatest missionary and gospel writer that, that we have ever known. It is that same power, that inner strength, oh, that we are able to come and we find even in the Old Testament. Oh, that is there with those three Hebrew boys when they're thrown into the furnace. How and why do those things happen? Because there is an inner strength that is full of the power of the Holy Ghost that is moving upon them and in their lives and I don't know about 
touch you, but that is the kind of unlimited, immeasurable power of God that I need and that I want in my life so that when I'm facing my fiery furnace, I know that I am not alone, but God is always with me. You had one word to describe the kingdom of God. A lot of words could be used. I imagine that most all of them that we would come up with, probably all of them in this room, they would be accurate and true. But when we think about one word summary to describe God's kingdom. Power would be a great word. He has the power to save. He has the power to, he did, and he exhibited that power to save. He has the power to fill, power to love. go ahead and tell you, not just so that we can have a good shout on Sunday morning service. That is not why God gives us his power. Isaiah 53 verse 1, in prophesying with regards to the idea of salvation, says it this way. Who has believed, confidently trusted, this is the amplified version, confidently trusted in, relied on, and adhered to our message of salvation. And to whom, if not us, has the arm and the infinite power of the Lord been revealed? And to whom, it's not us, to whom has the arm and the infinite power of God been revealed? You see, we, that revealing of the power of God is ultimately comes about in terms of uh, understanding the why is purpose. The purpose of that power is for us to be able to be saved. The purpose of God's power initially is for us to be saved. Look at what our text said there in verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The initial purpose, the greatest purpose for that power is for us to be saved. So this morning, if you are in this room and you are not saved, but you want the power of God to live within you, then you've got to start by getting saved and asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. For those of us maybe that are in the room, standpoint of 
salvation means I don't have to go to hell. I get to spend eternity in heaven. I get forgiveness. And absolutely all true. Absolutely true. But from God's perspective, why? Why does God desire us to be saved? Chris said, and he's right, because he loves us. And it is that love that God has for us that he doesn't want us to be distant. But it is because of that love for us that he wants to know, he wants us to know him in a way that we never have maybe ever before in our lives. And so the question for us, the purpose of that power in our life, once we're saved, he wants us to know him. Look at what, in, in, in Romans chapter 1, a couple verses later from our text, in verses 20 and 21, he says this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. And so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Accurate description of our world today, isn't it? All sorts of crazy, foolish ideas that people and the world have come up with to explain or to describe God. And as a result, we see minds that are dark and confused. But going back to verse 20. Do we see him and his invisible qualities? And do we know him? Do we know him? How well do we know him? Too many individuals and Christians in America today and certainly through uh, the, the events of the last couple of years and the disruption of our world, what we have seen has been this disconnection and that people have had this very casual relationship that has been so disconnected from God that they have become even that much more powerless in their living. But when we know him, and when we are able to pursue and to go after him, it is there that we begin to know him in a way that we never have before. I don't know about you, but I want to know him intimately. I want to know, oh, I want to know his power. I want to know who he is. And, and he sees me, and he is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful, and he sees and knows everything that I'm doing. Oh, but just like Adam and Eve had a connection with God in the garden, he wants a connection with you and I. Why does God give us his power for the salvation? It is so that we can know him. We can have the hope of eternal life because he loves us and wants to spend that kind of time in connection. And a holy God that we just sang about cannot have unholy unrighteousness in his presence. And so I want to be able to say, God, let me live. Let me live uh, the life that you would lead me to live. And let me live that power-filled life knowing and growing and getting deeper in my 
relationship with you. And time and time again, we see heroes of faith and that they didn't just become satisfied with just getting saved, but they wanted to press in and say, God, I want to know you more and more every single day. And that needs to be our heartbeat as well. Because as we do, as we press in and we experience the purpose of God's power in our life to not just be saved and to know him, but we want to be in service to him. In Acts chapter 6, we read about Stephen. This thing is killing my ears, sorry. Stephen was chosen as one of the seven. He was not a pastor. He was not a preacher. He was not an evangelist or a missionary. But he was chosen as one of the seven elders or deacons to be able to help provide food and serve the people of the church. You ever see? Verse 5. There it is in the choosing of Stephen. Jump to verse 8. You have verse 8. You don't have verse 7. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the church. I don't mean love on your church of God. I mean the church as a whole. We have too many people trying to we want to ask ourselves, why why aren't I seeing great wonders and signs? Why aren't I full of that kind of faith that Stephen had? Remember what happened to Stephen? He, he, he stoned to death. Stoned to death. At the feet of the man that way later be Paul, I mean, be named Paul, his name is changed. And so, but Stephen, prior to all of that, he is a man full of faith and power who, who God does great signs and wonders through him. There was nothing unique or unusually special about him other than that he was willing to not only be saved and to know God, but to serve God. And because through all of that, we see the connection between the purpose of God filling us with his power is to serve him and to be able to be a part of the kingdom of God. And for too many of us, the problem in the church is too many people try to serve and do too many pastors trying to preach or pastor, too many missionaries trying to be missionaries, and they're trying to do it in, their, in our own strength 
or our own might instead of relying upon God in his power and his might. And so that we have a purpose, but without the power. And therein lies part of this circle of futility that gets us down and discouraged. And it's not limited to just a few. This is something that every single one of us, that when we get discouraged in serving, the first question that we need to ask is, God, how much of your power is living and flowing in my life? So we have those that are trying to have purpose without the power. Then what about on the other end? We've got people filled with God's power. And they're not doing anything with purpose. They're not using, fulfilling, allowing that power of God to be fulfilled in what God has intended in our lives. So many of us, we say, God, I need your power. And we do. But I want to challenge us this morning. Why? Why do we declare? Why do we cry out, God, I need your power? Yes, God wants us to be, live a power-filled life and to withstand those storms. But he wants us to be able to serve, to give, to pour out. He doesn't want us to keep that power all to ourselves. Going through, we were organizing and because of, if you knew anything about my dad, my dad was, um, for lack of a better word, he was a pack rat. He, I mean, he, he kept everything. And especially when it came to electronics, went through one of his boxes and he had, you know, we're talking about electronics from like the 1970s, okay? I hate to break it to anybody that's harboring 1970s electronics. Other than collector value, they are of no good whatsoever. But one of the boxes he had was a, bo a box of extension cords and power strips. So now I have... If anybody needs a power strip, I've got, I've got you hooked up, okay? I promise. <laughs> I've got enough of the, you know the little green extension cords with the push buttons they sell at Christmas time for your Christmas tree? I've got enough extension cords. I think I could have the Biltmore collection of trees at my house and have enough extension cords for them all. But you know what? Every single one of those cords and power strips, they're useless sitting in that drawer. They're not doing anything no power in them. There's no power going out of them. But where they fulfill their purpose is when they are not only plugged into the power, but when something they're being used and things are plugged into them. And therein lies what God envisions and desires for every single one of us. That he wants us to be able to have not just his power, he wants that power to have purpose third and final thing that we understand and that we see in our text is that he wants us to have not just the power and not just purpose, but he wants the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. In Romans, in our text, look at verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
promises that God has given to you. For some of us, it's specific. But for all of us, this is one of these promises. That through the power of God, there is a promise of God being revealed and his righteousness being revealed in our lives. In one way or another, we all have certain struggles or battles spiritually that we face. Paul himself even said, the thorn in his flesh. Whether that was a physical battle that he faced, whether it was a spiritual battle, whatever it was, Paul had his struggles. And so we are of no exception. We have struggles or battles or things that we wage war with. And when we come to this place, we realize that God wants his power to be revealed even in those struggles and even in those areas. Because the promise of God is that we do not have to be overcome or defeated by those struggles. We do not have to give in. We do not have to be defeated. But he wants him and his power and his glory and his nature to be revealed. Specifically, his righteousness be revealed. If you are struggling in any area of your life this morning, I implore you, I call you, I urge you to be able to say, God, I need the power of God to be revealed in my life so that the righteousness of God can be manifested and I can make those right decisions. 2 Peter chapter 1 Verses 3 and 4 says this, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This becomes, and, I, and I, if you're going to have a, if this is where you are at this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, I assign it as your memory verses for this week. Because what God is telling us and what we see through this it is that God has already given us everything that we need to live a godly life. He's given it to us through his power. He's given it to us to resonate within us. And we are able to live out the godly life that even when we're facing uh, our, our, our human desires, even when we're facing uh, temptations, whether it's pride or, or lying or arrogance or whatever it may be in our life, whether it's lustful desires, whatever it may be, that God is able to move upon us and that through his power we are able to see him revealed, his righteousness revealed, and that we are able to live out that godly life. Whatever deficiency or struggle that we may have in the Christian, in our Christian life and in our pursuit of godliness, I 
I want you to know this morning that you can overcome. You can richly be abundantly supplied in his power and in his righteousness, in his grace and in his forgiveness. If we will just truly come and say, God, let your power flow. Let there be a salvation and a forgiveness in my life. And let me walk in the promises of what your power will do in me and through me. Colossians chapter 1. says, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and I struggle so hard. Look at this, depending, depending. On Christ's mighty power that works within me. We cannot do it ourselves. We cannot do it uh, mind power, so to speak. We've got to do it through him and through his spirit's power. And what is able to, when we experience that, and we experience his power, there is able to be this breakthrough. There is able to be this victory, this overcoming. And I want to encourage each and every one of us this morning, no matter where our spirits are this morning, whether they are down and out, or whether you are walking on cloud nine, it doesn't matter where your struggles are, whether you are walking in victory this morning, or you feel like you have come in wounded with bleeding all over the place spiritually because you have, uh, because of places that you have stumbled or fallen short. I want to encourage us this morning that we can experience the power of the Holy Ghost this morning in our lives, and that power can be revealed not just in salvation and in forgiveness, oh, but to be able to have a purpose and to be able to walk in the promises of God to live that godly life. You see, because what we realize is that God tells us, oh, that God wants to fill us. He says in Romans 15, now may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that we can abound in the hope and the power of Jesus Christ. That is what God wants you and I to be able to do this morning. He wants us to abound in, the, by, in hope by the power of him and the Holy Ghost. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 11, it says, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and, patience, uh, patience and long-suffering with joy. No matter what you're facing this morning, oh, let us be able to come and say, God, I need you. God, I want to abound in hope and in the power of the Holy Ghost. God, I need you to lift my spirit. God, I need you to cleanse my spirit. God, I need you to strengthen me. God, I need you to protect me. God, I need you to provide no matter what it may be that you need from him this morning. It is through the power of God that is able to flow in you and to flow through you. And that is what God wants to do this morning as the musicians come today. The question. You are going to assess your power, the spiritual power of God in your life. What kind of a rating would you have? Would you give yourself? El Salvador, one of the 
issues that we had to deal with in building the new home. By the way, it's coming along. We'll get some pictures. In fact, two of the children in the orphanage were baptized in water. They got saved this week. Praise God.
this morning. I desire to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's your prayer. That's your heartbeat. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Lastly, would you say, Pastor, I have some promises that I know that God has declared over me and over my family and over my life. And I need to be reminded this morning that God has still got these promises of living a godly life. And you just need to come and you need to plead the blood of Jesus. You need his forgiveness or you need his salvation. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As I close in prayer, raised your hand for any of these, I invite you to come. We've got prayer partners that want to pray with you. We're believing for a fresh touch, for a fresh move in every single person's life that desires Him. And so as I pray, will you come? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I love you and I praise you this morning that, God, that we are able to come and to magnify you. That, Lord, that we are able to come and just turn, sur surrender and turn everything over to you. And that, God, we need you. We need your touch. We need your filling and your infilling, your baptism. We need your forgiveness and your grace, God. And so, Lord, right now, we just cry out to you that, God, we need you. We need your touch today more than ever before. Let your power move and flow, God, right now. Because, God, without your power, God, oh, we are uh, living uh, limp lives, God, and we need Oh, that power to flow in us and to flow through us, God. And so, Lord, let it be so right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to you, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen.